But I only listen to 90s music podcast is a show for 80s babies who were 90s kids. If you were a No Limit Soldier, then this is your show. If you believe that cash money is not an army, but was a Navy, this is the show for you. If you and your friends ever tried to sing a song written by Escape, in Vogue, Shy, or Voiced Men at a talent show during middle school, this is your show. The Only Listen to 90s Music podcast is a bunch of 80s babies talking about all the songs and things that we loved when we were kids and teenagers. So if you went to the skating rink and you were at a lock-in, this is the, the show for you. If you think that Tevin Campbell um, was the original prince of R&B, this is the show for you. If you don't understand the the conflict between Monica and Brandy, but you're kind of on Monica's side and understand why Brandy got punched. This is the show for you. Make sure that you tune in, subscribe, click the little subscribe link. We're here. We're going to talk about all things 90s music. This is the show for you. All right. Welcome back to another edition of Mike Checker, the show where I talk to dope people doing dope things. I got my my big, he, he my little brother. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Not physically, but age-wise. Because he's we bigger are the than same height right now. That's the only time we are the same height is right we're now. We're the same height right now. <laughs> Another illustrious uh, graduate of Saints University High School, my high school. Uh, one of my best friends in the world. I'm super proud of what he's done with his career. I mean, you like with the VP, the man, man over at the hospital, or the, 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 the whatever, the doctor center or whatever? Yeah. All purpose to what uh, officially titled Chief Executive Officer for Mercy Rehab Hospital in Oklahoma City. But See, of course, of course, you just like John Ship. You got to you got to pull your whole title out. Three, you can just like yeah, yeah, I'm on the I'm up there. You had to put the no, dude, hey, but the, that literally means everything. So that means I'm doing floors. That means I'm in meetings. That means I'm outside flagging out cars. You name it. So when's the last time you did a floor? This morning. Today, you, you, this afternoon. You buffed the floors this afternoon. No, no, no. I'm not talking about buffing floors, but I mean, out on floors. See, that's the thing. People, somebody's like, man, he's sweeping the floors? Like, no. I have swept the floor, and I would say three weeks ago. It's been okay. about three weeks since. I, and it was neat. I saw it. You do it. Yeah. Okay. My man, Thomas Elliott, thank you for coming on, man. No, pleasure, dude. So this is my first and only time I've done a, a – podcast so really? <laughs> hey you sound don't sound like you like like somebody featuring that, me i should say right not like this is my first time on but i was talking about how you like you know how people like man it's gonna be my only my only interview you know like it's this is my first and only interview about you know when i was in the drug game you know like, like <laughs> right i called my publicist and they said this is it <laughs> so so let's start out man for your beginnings man uh like, what was your beginnings? Uh, I mean, people think like, oh, yeah, you made the chief executive officer. They don't understand the journey that people go through and like where they came from and what, you know, how they got there. But let's start with your youth and, you know, growing up. Okay. All right. So originally uh, from Hanley Hills, right there, Paige and Hanley. Um, so the Normie School District. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, went to Ascension St. Paul for uh, grade school. So that was off in Normandy, uh, is, right is off of National Creek. No, no, I changed it to Girls Inc. The last thing I saw, but you know, it's tough. Oh, so to it's not even a Catholic school anymore? No, no. When did it close? When did it close? Ugh, a long time ago, dude. I think Ascension may have closed. 
few years after I was there. So oh, I so this it was it's been a long time. It's been, it's been yeah, yeah, twenty years easy. Okay, easy. So um, was this at Ascension from third grade through eighth grade. Then um, got introduced. Were you, to were you in Normandy schools before that? No, nah, I was at so St. Thomas More. It was another Catholic okay. uh, private small school, and so private schools all all my life. But uh, then high school is when I got to meet you, St. Louis University High, the St. Louis University High. Yep, exactly. Uh, <laughs> then went from there, uh, took my seat, my talents out of state to uh, not even out of state. I guess across the state, went to Rockhurst <laughs> University. Um, in Kansas City, so did undergrad and grad school. But why, why did you choose Rutgers? I mean, I know you had a couple of schools. I mean, I know you, but I mean, why did you choose Rutgers out of all those uh, selections you had? So, like, obviously, school had played sports, messed up my knee, and it was you need to figure out something else other than trying to be an athlete, right? So, didn't even understand the whole athlete piece, but I had the advantage, you know, being eighth grade, I was six three. 270 right this is coming out of eighth grade so grew several more inches and um, got into sports late but after I messed my knee it was like very clear need to figure out something else books right so before that when I say had kind of just enough to do all right not to get kicked out of slew which, <laughs> again great school well yeah let's go let's go before we go there let's go back to that thing like so that them because those moments are pivotal I think any person that went to SLU live, like that's their pivotal moment, some for the good and for the bad, you know what I'm saying? Either either aspect. So when you talk about that, talk about that for a second, where you like, yo, I was on that breaking point and fit it all the time. So I went to Ascent, again, Ascension St. Paul, all black, co-ed, um, Catholic school, right? So which just in and of itself almost seems like an anomaly of sorts, enormity. Mm -hmm. So again, like I said, it was a co-ed setting. It was one of those things where, Everybody else was was like me, middle class, black folks. Ninety six, a little bit later in ninety six, go to St. Louis University High, and but, but did you was you on the path basically go to Carter Ritter basically right? Is that what is absolutely <laughs> Carter Ritter Luther North? That was that was, that was essentially two options. You had Carter Ritter Luther North. You know, some folks like if, if they lived up north, man, did the Hazelwood piece, and um, my parents had moved to. Um, Blackjack Florissant until I was in high school, but otherwise would have been a Normandy school district. And you, and you, you was like Normandy, man. That ain't cracking. It wasn't happening. No, my, my folks weren't gonna let that. That's happen. I was like your folks were definitely your mama wouldn't let you go. To Normandy. It wouldn't, wouldn't, yeah. Penny Elliott wouldn't have me. Wouldn't gonna do it. <laughs> but and it's uh, no disrespect to Normandy. It's just yeah, it's no, like, no, 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 no. It's just yeah. It's just I know. His, I just know his mom's, and I just know that that wouldn't. The, the Tommy ain't going to know, no, no, Normandy. <laughs> but here's the thing, though. Like, we had that upper bound program. Like, so that's when I got introduced to SLU. This was, what, seventh, eighth grade. Oh, and so you did so, the pre, the pre, the junior, junior high school uh, piece. Otherwise, I knew nothing about SLU. It was one of those things where it was, uh, SLU was a university. It wasn't a high school. And so it wasn't until I had that experience with upper bound that it was like, oh, this is pretty cool. And hanging out like a all male environment. You know, in grade school, you think, nah, I don't ever want to go to school with all dudes. Like, nah, I don't want to do it. And academically, one of the best situations I've ever been in my entire life. I tell people that all the time. I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't think I haven't been challenged academically since then. Because <laughs> I think the beauty of it, dude, it's like you, you are, you take away all the other stuff. You take away the the egos, right? So if it's if it's an ego, is based on true 
pedigree, right? It's, it's who you are. It's not having to worry about what you're wearing or um, this latest fashion or, or being liked by this person or the other. It's just come to class, survive, <laughs> maybe do some sports or some called curriculums, and then um, go on to that next level. So it, it was a way to, to, to grow without having the stressors of um, the other aspects of puberty, right? So I think it kept your ego in check in some regards because, I mean, it was no reason to be, um, to show off, right? Like, who are you showing off for? This dude next to you? I don't care about him, right? Not like in a romantic fashion. So it was just, it was a way to grow without having to um, deal with some of the other issues that come along with co-ed environments. So after being at SLU, <clears throat> you got, so Rockhurst, we talk about your story of Rockhurst, like how you chose Rockhurst, where? Yeah, so my mom worked with the VA. So my mom was with VA for almost 40 years. And she introduced me to this OT that worked at the VA with her. And I'm like, you know, what's OT? So um, in high school, messed up my knee, obviously, and then had PT. And um, at the same time, was exposed at the clinic to OT. So went out and my godmother lived out in Cuba, Missouri. And so rural town. So when she was talking about OT, I was like, oh, this is pretty neat. She had her own clinic at her house and um, was talking about all this just uh, equipment and these practices and techniques to help people get back home. All right, that's pretty neat. So then I started looking into the schools that had OT. So applied to Washu, SLU, Mizzou, Rockhurst, I think. Xavier in Cincinnati, if I'm not mistaken, um, University of, sorry, Morehouse, applied to Morehouse. They didn't have an OT program, but nonetheless, it was like, hey, let's just look at these different schools. But, but then I think, I think Morehouse just let us say, because we went to all boys school. Like, I like, I think everybody got into Morehouse just off the strip, like, oh, okay, we don't even worry about it. And it would have been cool, right? Like, if yeah, I, it been, I would have been able to go matriculate there easily. It, true. And so it was one of those things where, Rockhurst was far enough away from St. Louis where I could, you know, continue to be kind of my individual self, but it was close enough where if and when I needed to be home, I could in four hours. So it was it was a Jesuit situation. Again, you go from Jesuit high school to Jesuit university and, you know, some of the similar principles and concepts and um, culture. So it felt natural on a Rockhurst. And then obviously they are aligned with Rockhurst High School, which we were familiar with because Rockers High School had a, a powerhouse football team mm -hmm. and you know a reputable name as well. So Rockhurst was a it was a natural fit. So so what why you choose so you you got you go there and you what what made you decide to go into the fields you did there? What was it about that that said, you know what, I'm gonna go into OT. OT like it. That's a good question, Jerry. I don't know if I ever like just took the time. I thought it was cool when I got first introduced to it early on, um, did some shadowing and saw what the field was about and just the way you impact people. So you're literally taking, I mean, obviously you've got equipment and technology and, and processes that help you improve someone's functional ability. However, it's truly a connection between two people. You're taking two people and you've got one person who's compromised, another person has the resources to help minimize or eliminate that uh, situation for them. So you have to have a backing behind it. You can't just go in and 
do some some arm extensions, right? Like that that in of itself won't won't get someone back to where they need to be. So understand the things that go into the rehabilitation of the body. So formally doing the science classes, which kind of neat, and we had that um, foundation at SLU. So the biologies, the chemistries, the physics, et cetera, um, the, the math aspects. So I like math, like numbers, and this is kind of a way to just pull everything together. And it led to some opportunities that been great for me um, and a lot of exposure to some great people along the way. And um, it's moved me around the, the, around the country a few times. Yeah, I mean, a couple of different places. I mean, what, I mean, Louisville, KC, now you're in Oklahoma City. What, mm -hmm. what, what, what is it about the field that you love now about being in it where it's like, all right, this is my thing. And then, like, what made you decide, I want to particularly, and I want to go to management, I want to go to an executive position, like, kind of package that together for us. So, Daryl, and, and the reality is, is that I didn't go into OT thinking this was going to be my trajectory. Right. It was going to help people learn this skill. And I knew it was something that would allow me some freedoms to move around the country, to uh, get into some different healthcare systems and whatnot. But I, I never thought it was a way for me to go into management, leadership, um, executive leadership. And so if, if I said that, it wouldn't be true. Right. I, I went in thinking, hey, I like to be a therapist. Early on, and, and, and again, it's, it's one of those things where sometimes people see talent in you that you don't even see in yourself. Mm -hmm. So I had a boss who was, uh, relatively speaking, a, a young lady at the time, and she had an opportunity to get promoted. That filled a vacancy. Coincidentally, her name was Sharon. And why I say that is because my boss now that gave me an opportunity to come to Oklahoma <laughs> City, her name is Sharon. <laughs> Different Sharon, though. Yeah. But she saw like the work ethic, right? So it was the things that, that, that I got from my parents' honors, right? Like my dad's type A personality, like show up on time, punctuality, um, say, do what you're gonna, do what you say, um, be there, be present, take care of the things that are important to you. That's that's who he is through and through. And then mom, she's just hard worker. Go, 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 go. And uh, apply yourself. When you apply yourself at the end of the day, it's nothing to be ashamed of, right? If you try something and you give it your all and you don't succeed at, it, succeed at it, then it's life. But you take a situation and you don't try something and you don't achieve, then that's on you, right? And, and own that, that accountability aspect. So my boss at the time, Sharon, she seemingly saw those things. So it was an opportunity to move into a lead therapist role within about a year and a half of starting as a new grad OT, then moved into a director role within a couple of years. And those transitions, dude, are important, right? Because you go from working as essentially uh, apprentice, like you, you're literally- out hey, if you day-to-day -day in the trenches. <laughs> you're in the trenches, right? You're going in and, and you're a rookie. And then next thing you know, you're a, a peer, you're, you're parallel. Then as you grow, now you're a superior, right? And structurally, not as great a person, you know? So uh, it's a lot of growth and humility that comes along with that on both ends, right? So like there were folks who were willing to allow me to lead. And so I had that, res I, I had that um, 
responsibility on me. So I can't let these folks down, make certain these patients are taken care of, want to make certain that our hospitals are doing well. And, and it worked out. And you do all the things that you ask your team to do day in and day out. If, if you don't live by that, then um, I don't know what leadership means to you. So if anything, the thing that's allowed me the greatest success is um, being willing to be at that bedside to do any and everything that I ask my teams to do and to know that um, sometimes people need grace, right? Everybody's not going to be perfect. Um, yeah. I wasn't perfect. And um, in healthcare, you're dealing with imperfect people, right? So you've got families and situations you don't quite understand everything. Like, is this person being mean because that's who they are or they've been in a hospital for the last three months? They lost a significant other. They've um, been disconnected from a child, been impacted by COVID. You just don't know that story until you know it. And so going in and understanding that grace is one of those things that um, everyone appreciates. So how many times when you come into a meeting or you start a new job and they don't they don't think you're the person that's managing them? <laughs> <laughs> Why would that happen, Daryl? Are they scared to be like, like, I mean, I was going to say something. Uh, he didn't look like that on the Zoom. Like, you know, like, <laughs> like remote. And then he's like, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> they jumping real bad on the Zoom call. But <laughs> it's a lot different. You do a Zoom call or even before just on the phone, right? Yeah. <laughs> This isn't the person I was talking to. Like, what, what's going on in yeah, this like, situation? Hold on, hold on. This, this thing, no, Thomas. No, no, no. That's him over there. <laughs> right, right, right. They're going in and shaking the raw hands. Yep. Um, it, it happens a lot. Because <laughs> I think when, when, when people... Because I, I know me, we talked about it. That's not like people would not... Right. <laughs> like, people think athlete of some sorts, right? Like, yep. very large man. Um, and then... Just the, the, the stereotypes, right? You see a young African American male. Um, okay, you're you're a tech. You're someone in a maybe an entry level position or whatnot, and, and that's the the assumption. Had that assumption, it doesn't bother me. That's that's the beauty of it. I think when you get caught up in titles and 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 um, being better than is where you start to fail, and so. A lot of times I, I use those as teaching examples because, hey, I'm going to let you go with this assumption as far as we get around the corner and it's like, hey, Thomas, such and such, can you do this and that? And it's like, wait, oh, wait, you're that guy. You make those decisions <laughs> and whatnot. And, and it doesn't always happen like that. Again, there, there, there's always going to be times when people, regardless of, of role or responsibilities, will marginalize you. But you can't, I mean, a thousand other times to the contrary. So no, I mean, I, people don't know how big you are. I want you to give them the story about how you ended up working security during the, uh, <laughs> the Kentucky Derby <laughs> for a celebrity. Uh, then I'll let you tell the story. So, and I know you, and then I know because you was like, you, I've been kind of living for in these moments where you could just be like, throw people out the way, <laughs> like move out the way. <laughs> it's probably one of your favorite stories of my. I love this story. Hey, it was one of my of my great life events. So lived in Louisville, Kentucky, Kentucky Derby, every single year, you got any and everybody that flies in for this. It's a great time for visitors to the city, but for folks that live there, you're just like, I want to be away from everything. I don't want to deal with the traffic. You know, everything. Like, so like, if you're from New Orleans, my wife is like, 
Mardi Gras means really nothing, right? Nothing that it means nothing, but it's not that thing that has that draw of Bourbon Street because you, you've been around this your entire life. So Kentucky Diary was happening this weekend and we talked about just low key. We're going to stay in the house, throw some stuff on the grill, just chill, avoid getting out of the streets by all costs. I'm on Facebook and a friend of mine, Ashley Turner, she worked at the hospital and she had posted a picture of Shaquille O'Neal, my favorite athlete in the entire world. And so she's eight feet away from this guy and he's in Louisville, Kentucky. Call it starstruck, whatever you want to call it. I was like, <laughs> I need to get out. I need to be wherever she is because she's like in arm's reach of this dude that's my favorite athlete of all time. So I talked to Jess. And one of the only men that may be bigger than you. Sure. And Orlando Pace. <laughs> and Orlando Pace, yes. And Orlando, and Orlando Pace. Pace. <laughs> so the two times I felt small in life. And um, so I turned to Jess and I'm like, hey, that's Shaq. And of course, she's like, okay, and I'm going back to sleep. Like, I'm going out. <laughs> it's like, have fun. So I, I had... My, my work suit was already out because I had come from work a few hours earlier. And I was, you know, I'm going to throw this on, whatever. So I've got it's already my, out. It's already out. It's already out. So I got my suit on and my, my dress shirt. And so to keep it cool, untuck the dress shirt, right? Then, you know, you go from a professional to ready to kick it right. by untucking the shirt, right? It's a, it's a law. And this is during the era where we was going to the club like we was going up for a job interview. Good point, right? <laughs> That's how we dressed back then. That was it. That was a mandate. <laughs> so um, I I go down to downtown Louisville, and this club where he's at is, is packed. Can't get in. So I go over to 4th Street Live. So 4th Street is, is, is blocked off, and they've got all these restaurants, bars, Holly the Moon, Doolin Kennels, you name it. There's uh, people everywhere. I'm walking in, and it couldn't have been three minutes into it. This guy, he shouts out. He's like, hey, big man, out of nowhere. I'm like, <laughs> knowing that he's drunk, this is just par for the course when you're dealing with Derby. So I'm just like, hey, whatever. And he's like, come hang out with us. And so it's him and his, his girlfriend. I'm assuming it's his girlfriend. I was like, all right, cool. I'll go walk over there and we start talking and this and that. And he's like, man, you're so big. And this, I'm not sure why that's an icebreaker, but <laughs> four times. <laughs> this, this is what the conversation is. He's like, man, you're so big. This and that, yada, yada, yada. So he's trying to offer me a drink. And I'm like, okay, cool. I hang out with him for a while. Then, I don't know, we're probably 20 minutes in. He's like, dude, it's like you're my bodyguard or something, right? And he's like, I will literally pay you to be my bodyguard. I think about it for a minute. Cool, let's do it. <laughs> so I get into character, right? Like I tell you about my dad. He's like, you commit, you do what you say that you're going to do. This dude is hey, no, Keep in mind, though, people. He the, he 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 would like he's already business minded, already in his corporate setting. But this is a, a area of life that he like a like a parallel universe. He wanted to be able to do something like this. So perfect opportunity, right, to get into character. And so, all right, cool. I've seen enough movies to understand what bodyguards do. 
I get in the character. No, keep in mind, y'all, he has no training in this. No Absolutely nothing. Like, this goes south. Y'all be cool. Sorry. <laughs> he ain't got no permits. He ain't got nothing. <laughs> so, I'm like, get in the character. And what I am used to is, like, going out. Uh, you've experienced this and benefited from this. We go out to the club. Like, if it's some space, we need to get to point B. I'm taking a direct path to get to point B and moving people out the way. Yes. I had a humbling experience in Dallas. It taught me that I need to be more considerate of people's feelings when I'm moving people out the way. <laughs> but that's another story. Anyway, so I'm moving people out the way and motioning these folks to come through. It's and like, like, what's going on? Like, who is this guy? Like, I'm breaking lines and waving them through. And then the girlfriend, who I think may have been an adult entertainer, um, she says she wants to go to a strip club. Okay, so all kids, put this on mute. <laughs> and there's this spot that was kind of, I think, around the corner um, that they were familiar with. I walk up to the police with my hand in my pocket as if I have some pistol of some sorts, right? Dumbest thing ever in life. But again, I'm in character. And I'm like, hey, my client, using language and everything, my client is interested in finding this strip club. Can you tell me where it is? And the officer's just like, large man in the suit, you must be the bodyguard. And I'm like, yes. So then he's like, you go this way, yada, yada, yada. So we're walking and they run into some other random couple. This dude, like this, this super pretty dude. He's just got his hair silk back and just this white jacket. It's just immaculate dude, right? Think of <laughs> Jesus, some sorts. And he's got this girlfriend and she's got on this dress and she's got like the most amazing legs on the planet. Like I'm talking about these are model-esque legs, right? Cool. So they're talking, doing their thing, and then they're like, come on with us. All right. So now I'm bodyguarding for four people. Three people and myself. Right. So it's those. Oh, sorry, four. You're right. Yeah. The two couples. And all right, cool. In, in character, breaking through folks, <laughs> waving them through. We get to this club. And I'm like, you know, I'm, only thing they can do is say no. I literally walk up to the front of the line. And I'm like, how much is it for my clients to get in, right? And I slide the dude to 20. He says, come on. We bypass this entire line and get in. So I'm loving every piece of this. So you, this you are, you are, in your inside, you are bugging up, huh? Like, I'm like, this works. <laughs> so we get in the club. I'm creating a perimeter. And, like, folks are, like, I'm making certain that they don't come into their space. And I'm like, who is that guy? And I was like, I'm not able to discuss my clients. Like, I loved it. <laughs> they offered me drinks and all kind of stuff. And I was like, no, nah, I'm on the clock. Like, I've got in the character that much. I wouldn't even enjoy drinks. Could have drank for free. And then we hung out there for a couple hours. I dropped him off at the hotel. Made a few hundred dollars. Just like that. And so you get back home and then you tell your wife, like, hey, what, what happened? Nothing. Like, <laughs> I told her the story. And she's like, she went, she's like, she she believed me, but she's like, no, nah, it couldn't have went down the way that it did. 
So I'm showing her pictures. And I got to show you proof of people. everything. Like, this is us. And then, like, picking up people and hanging out and then taking selfies inside of the club and next to different folks. Like, it was a very neat time in life. Dude, that's that that's that's this one i love that story man you tell that man uh so even within your career even what would you think is like a pillar or something that you would give someone advice for of like how they're able to matriculate kind of just period like goals in life not even just in this corporate america but any place daryl when i think about what made a difference for me is the way you treat people and showing up Right. There, there have been folks that are more gifted, smarter, um, better than me. Uh, but I show up every day. Uh, I've been with my company 15 years. I missed several days because of COVID back in 2020. But other than that, I've never called in. And not to glorify that, because, again, there has to be that balance of personal life and work. But. I truly believe that it's important for me to be there, right? So that means when you don't feel good, again, work at a hospital. So it's like that, do you go to the hospital sick or do you <laughs> not, right? Um, but at the same time, like my team knows that if, if they need me to be there, I'll be there. So if it's, if it's ice, if it's snow, if it's hot, if it's raining, if it's now dealing with tornado warnings out in Oklahoma City, you, you show up and try like you like the thing is is that there is no magic leadership book that tells you how to deal with every situation but what i can tell you that is essential to any type of thing that you're going to do that's going to impress people is, is being there so be there give your best lead by example be humble treat people with respect and obviously you need to throw in some um principles and practices you know things that, that will drive your culture along with that like to have uh strategies meaningful strategies and those things like books i'm in school right now so you looking at things <laughs> yeah so you, you gotta continue to to grow from my academic and um from an academic perspective but all said and done being there and make it certain that your team knows that you're willing to do anything that they that you ask of them. It's interesting because I was I just heard someone say a quote of <clears throat> persistence means nothing if you don't have reflection. Like you can keep this going hard if you don't you don't you ain't reflecting on what what you did before. What difference you're making, right? Yeah, it doesn't matter if you can't be like, okay, I need to move this around, change this around, but keep going at it. You just can't be like, I'm just gonna go hard and do the same thing. But you you've got to be humble, dude, because like it's things that you learn every single day about patience about teams about policy about um just, just economies you name it and if you don't learn from those things it's easy to get caught doing things that worked in the past and failing in the future mm, so you mean in like it worked in the past but you're not understanding that the game kind of changed things need something else is different than that old procedure was right so, like, if I went and, let's say, I mean, if we utilize the example of, of school, if I apply what I learned in grade school to SLU, and I just, because I, I thrived in grade school, if I kept with that same plan in grade school, from, from grade school, 
wouldn't have made it as slow, right? right? Just as well, when I went into the next level, it was different expectations, different things I needed to deliver on. And it's it was important for me to take from this situation to make certain that I'm applying what I need to this situation right now, understanding that what that may be tomorrow may be something different. Mm. Okay, okay. So what else, <clears throat> what else do you feel that being someone black in your position of that, of like, that's a, you know, you being a CEO of a, of a, a medical facility is a big, I mean, ain't that many black folks doing that period, whatever. You know, how does that kind of in the mix of like how you kind of perceive and look at it? Cause it's a different kind of visual, visuality many times for us. And when we, when we, especially when we get higher positions. <laughs> it's the responsibility that comes along with that Daryl, right? So um, when, I go out, I recognize that I'm not going out just as Thomas Elliott, right? Um, I'm going out as a reflection of my parents, uh, St. Louis University High, of Rockhurst University, of um, St. Louis, of Kansas City, of these, you know, these different things, these different things that have helped mold me. And that continues with my occupation. When I go out, I'm a representative of Mercy Rehab. And you always want to put forth an image that people are willing to um, find palatable one and then two are inspired by, right? Because if, if I come across as something that is distasteful, uh, arrogant, rude, uh, disrespectful, and those are the things that are passed down to patients that come into our facility, that's on me. So I, I can't reflect those things and then say, I want you to do something differently. So I, it, it, it's a responsibility that I think you, you take pride in, right? Because like when you talk about teaching folks and being example for folks and to create that next opportunity for someone that does look like me and you, um, that doesn't happen by, by chance. <laughs> It happens because there was someone that was given an opportunity and they were successful with it. There was someone who was given an opportunity that made an opportunity for someone else. Those are the ways that you you make those roles meaningful. And so it's it's not just a title. It's, it's a make it certain that you are representing the things that are important to your community and to folks that look up to you. You ain't running the I'm black. I ain't black. I'm OJ. No, no, I can't. This is the last part of our interview. This is my section, this or that. I give you two, uh, two topics or two things. You only can choose one. Okay. All right. Martin or Fresh Prince? Martin. Martin. All right. Different World or Cosby Show? Cosby Show. I think I've seen two episodes of Different World in my entire life. Wow, that is going to get some crazy stuff in the comments right there. <laughs> <laughs> we should start. I was going to say what my next one is. It's an open-ended question. What is one thing people will be surprised that you have didn't do not know, haven't seen, or didn't do? Like where it's like, oh, everybody did this. or You know what I mean? Like where it's like, they'd be like, oh, you haven't did, or you didn't listen to, or you didn't see. So set it off. I watched that for the first time a little less than a year ago. So all the quotes from Set It Off, I knew nothing about. Total, you and didn't go with us all. We went to see Set It Off? No. 
Yeah, the first time I saw set it off was less than a year ago. Because I thought it was like us and then some of the um, Incarnate Girls, we went to, we did because Tyson was driving. Maybe. I wasn't in that movie though. You might have, okay. <clears throat> Man, I, wow, you hadn't seen Set It Off? Exactly. And then when I told Jess that, she had the exact same, she's like, wait, you hadn't seen Set It Off? As, as if this was a rite of passage that was essential, right? Yeah, no, <laughs> so, it's, it's certain things. I, I, I mean, I, I try not to be like that um, as much. I'm trying to be humble with some uh, charging people for their blackness. So, you know, that's one of those but, where it's like, dang. That's fair. <laughs> All right, Nas or Jay-Z? Jay-Z. All right. Next up, this is a triple threat match. Minister Society, Boys in the Hood, or... Mm -hmm. Juice. All right. <laughs> so here's another one. Oh no! <laughs> I maybe seen about twenty minutes of Juice. Like so, I know the scene at the basketball court at the park. No, there's no scene in the basketball court in Juice. What am I thinking of? You thinking above the rim? Ah, you're right. You see that? Lets you know. <laughs> You got to cut that from this. <laughs> I know nothing about juice. I know. Hold on, you never seen juice? Dude, I don't think I've ever sat down in a Pac's first juice. movie? Mm -mm. Wow. Okay. Hopefully I'm not letting you down. No, you so didn't let me I down. Go, I, it, it, he's surprised me people haven't seen it. I'm not, sure. I'm not surprised. Minutes of Society or Boys in the Hood. You only you down to two at this point. Well, you know what? Let's take juice out. I'm gonna make it spicier for you then. New Jack City. We'll enter New Jack City in. Then between those three. Okay. So I don't know. Tell, the most... don't, say, don't say I haven't seen New Jack City either. Like <laughs> about five years ago. So hold on. Hold on. Thomas. It's, a, it's some things that don't align. I get it. But if it's, this is a lot of movies about to put on here. You corporate and all that, but we know each other since the mud. And this is all super surprised. I've known you. More than my life than I've been alive, like That's more true. than half of my life, like true. And I didn't hold on. You have known. <laughs> like this, this is the director's cut. Like this, this is done, huh? Okay, so, okay. Hey, well, let me add another one. Let me change the movie out then. Um, now, people throw Training Day in there, so I've got most okay we'll, we could do that we'll put train day in there because it's all west coast movies we'll make it easy <clears throat> training day boys in the hood or minister society i got the most quotes from training day and that i most frequently um utilize then close second would probably be boys in the hood there's a lot of life lessons in boys in the hood all right if you didn't go to SLU, what other mcc school would you have went to Normandy is what I would have did now. I'm talking. Uh, <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. If I hadn't gone to slow, I think naturally the next. <laughs> Look at your face. It's like I, I got nothing to it. I got nothing. That's fine. Don't no, we go to the next question. You ain't got any. Shamanai, CBC. Like, I guess naturally, like you think CBC, right? Like they probably had the HBCU, HBCU of of all male schools when we were coming up. Yeah. Um, but no, nah, I can't do it. So yeah, it just it wasn't it wasn't, it wasn't your vibe. After you realize and you see how the sausages made, you realize it's not your vibe. You know, every one can't of them had their own vibe to them. 
Yeah, so I would have, no, nah, I would have, Cardinal Ritter, sign me up, Luther North. All right. Um, um, Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan? Jordan. LeBron James or Kobe Bryant? LeBron. This is the real hate for Kobe right here coming through. <laughs> and I ain't mad at it. I ain't mad at it. And I'm a Shaq fan, dude. So, like, hey, rest his soul. You know what I mean? Yeah. Definitely. No respect to it. I had mad game. My dude was Shaq. So, you know, it's just natural. But. Yeah. All right. Um, have you seen The Wire? Before I ask it, ask it. Okay. Nice. Let me go. Let me. Let me name my next question. <laughs> dude, I don't watch a lot of TV, so let me put that disclaimer out there. No, this dude, this, this show is oh, dude, Thomas. This show is it's people graduating high school when this show started, so it's that long. So it's not like it's something going on now where you're busy. I, I this is when that, you dude. weren't doing I, nothing. But I'm saying I've never been a big TV watcher though, so like, not that that's an excuse. I'm just saying it's it's number of things that just. If it's on the screen, then eh, maybe, maybe not capture my attention. So, hmm, like a lot of this stuff today, eh. All right. O U or K U? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> so, Texas Longhorn fan through and through. <laughs> so, naturally, my disdain is for OU. However, <laughs> You also from, from Missouri. St. Louis, Missouri. <laughs> and Mizzou KU piece. So if OU is playing KU, who would I root for? That's just disrespectful, dude. That's a disrespectful question. Well, you can choose one, man. I'm going to root for KU versus OU. Wow. Yeah. That's big. I would have thought you would have went OU over KU just because of the long – Time strife we've had towards KU is St. Louis, dude. And this is you know, it's, it's deep rooted. And you but, live in Oklahoma saying this, right? I'm in the, the lion's lair, like yeah. you're in the belly of the beast saying this right there every day. And you know, what's odd though is that let's say you're a KU fan and you're in Missouri, or Mizzou fan and you're in Kent or in Kansas and Lawrence, that hate is palatable, like you, you know it, right. <laughs> Dude, when I tell you, like, I wear, if I'm not wearing some work clothes, I probably got on some Texas Longhorn gear of some sorts, right? It's either club gear, even though I'm not clubbing, Texas Longhorn gear, or work. And people be like, they had a good game this weekend. So, 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 so. And I'm waiting for the, like, for, for the jab, waiting for, like, the gotcha. But they're just nice, dude. Oklahoma people are just You think just that you also, because nice. you're six, 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 seven, and 300-some pounds that they – But I'm just, six, 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 seven, so everywhere else, too. Oh, and you think – and people have come, come at you? I mean, people say smart stuff, like, oh, they suck, or this and that. I'm not – Ain't nobody trying to run up on you, though. That's a different thing. But sure. you know what? You know, but you know what? I think black people sports them is different than the average other person. Because I don't have people just run up on me either for stuff. And I ain't a big guy either. I just don't think we position ourselves for that, except for that fight at that Buffalo Bill. Do you see that Buffalo Bill Cincinnati fight? No. I will send you that video. This is one of the this is the one of the first times I've seen actually black fans and white fans in unison fighting together against another set of white and black fans. <laughs> so it's like Buffalo Bills fans versus Cincinnati fans. This might like this might have been last year at the end of the season. And they banging. I was in the stalls, throwing stalls on each other. 
And I'm talking oh, about like, they, I mean, black and white are high-fiving over beating up another set of black and white people from the other team. <laughs> That's diversity right there. Dude, I was just talking about this though. I want to be in a situation where there are enough black coaches and black quarterbacks where I can root against them. And not- What's up, y'all? This is RVS. This is ROD, a.k.a. Rated R. We are the We Coming For You cast, and we talk about pro wrestling from a black dude's perspective. Tell them what they can expect on this here podcast. Oh, we're going to give you all the raw and dirty and the everything black from AEW, WWE, Impact Wrestling, and any other wrestling in between. If you want your wrestling unfiltered, uncensored, and you want it raw, you need to subscribe to the We Coming For You cast. Right here on SOLC Network. I feel bad. Right. Honestly, what was the first black quarterback you openly could feel like you could root against? And not feel bad like, man, oh, are you even there yet? <laughs> it's the next question. Are you even Not there? really, dude. So, like, <laughs> where I struggled was Tony Banks. You know, when they came. Yes. To, had I was going to say that was my first one. That was my first one. <laughs> but he's the only one. That's the, only, that's the thing. That's, that's the doubt. Like, he's the and only I heard one. he was, was a cool guy. I heard personally he was a cool dude. He probably was. He's just a horrible quarterback from my perspective. Yeah. And so it was hard for him to be here and the team be in. So I think that was probably the first time I and, – and I was young too, so I didn't really have this consciousness that, that exists now. Was, so it was yeah, one of the things like I hate this dude because his his game, but all said and done. No, I don't think there's any quarterbacks or coaches that I'm just like, nah, I shy away from. It's folks I don't necessarily like, but I still want them to do all right. Right. That's that's it. That's when we know we ain't free yet. There's one. It's like a ten checklist thing of like things we know when we free. That's one of them. When we can openly be comfortable rooting against somebody black, like in, especially in a sport where something's dominated by other people. Like so, like quarter black quarterback. It's harder to root against. The harder to root against a black coach in any sport. I guess the only place we can openly root against someone black is basketball, right? Yeah. Is yeah. It- yeah, I was like, yeah. I mean, think about every sport. Seriously, though. True. No, a thousand percent. Like, you may not it's, like the team. Like, okay, I don't like Antonio Brown. Like, I mean, I, I openly root against him. But it's not because of, like, it's because of him, what he does personally on his own. Not, like, not even nothing against his game. It's just him. And that should be and that should be the situation. Like, yeah. I don't like him just because I don't like him. And right? then, and even, even then, I still debate myself, man, do I be going too hard on him? Like, you want you, you to give him grace, which is important. But it's like, eh, where, where can we cut that grace off? Exactly. What are we going to call you AO and just keep it pushing? Like, and be done, right? Like, and everybody's <laughs> like, you know what? Yeah, that's true. That's yeah, I understand. I hate that guy. All right. Chicago or New Orleans for, for, for travel? New Orleans. You knew what to say, Bye right? Because you know, you know, you already knew you had to say that, huh? Had to. But <laughs> hey, New Orleans is fun, dude. So you got fishing, you got just stuff, and it's just I, I learn something new every time I go down to New Orleans. Because, so, yeah, because you, because you, you're in New Orleans. How, how often do you get down to New Orleans? Um, now, probably once a year, maybe twice. But before the pandemic, how y'all would get down there a lot? Probably three, four times a year, once okay. a quarter. Yeah. And then Chicago, so. If I'm in Chicago, if, like if I had a helicopter, which is my life dream is to have a helicopter. Mm-hmm. If I get dropped off in Chicago and be where I'm going to be, then I like Chicago. But if I got to drive in Chicago, Chicago's automatically ruled out. No matter what. 
<laughs> if you can get dropped off to your, your destination, like via helicopter. I'm good. But if it requires me having to get into a vehicle when dealing with that traffic in Chicago, nah, sign me up. For right, if, you did, if you didn't go into your occupation now, what would be your other occupation you were chosen? Mixed tapes. No. Uh, That'd have been funny. I got bars. No. <laughs> what, what, I mean, so here's maybe a regret. When I was playing sports, I didn't understand sports, right? Like it was, I was being introduced to it, but I had a head start because of my size. But I didn't understand like you didn't know the, the mechanics of it. The mechanics of it, right? So I didn't understand practice and this and that. Like I, I, I couldn't. I didn't put the two together. And but then it, if it was a game or whatnot, it was one of those things where I had events because I was probably taller than a kid, bigger than a kid, and maybe even stronger than most kids, right? Um, but I didn't understand the sport. So I think that if I had life to do all over again. Um, Sports would have played a bigger role early. Like the fortunate thing is, like it's twofold. My parents never forced me into sports. My dad was a football or is a football fan. Mom was a basketball fan. They never pushed sports on me, and they probably had the largest kid out of all their friends by yes. far. <laughs> but they never pushed sports on me. So it was like the first time I played really basketball was seventh, eighth grade. And you got to think that somebody else would have had you in third grade pushing it on you in third grade. Easy, easy. Like, and, and what made me actually even get into it, going to girls. So it was a girl named Lamiko Moore. So if you listen to this, Lamiko, you remember this moment, because I do. <laughs> we, were you do. <laughs> we were in a gym, and this is at Ascension, and the ball got caught between the rim and the backboard. And so they were trying to find a way to get this ball unlodged. And so somebody said, well, you know, just jump up there because I'm six, two, six, three at this point and dislodge the ball. So I go, I try to jump and, you know, it's a 10 foot rim. And there was probably this much space between my hand and this. Ball. <laughs> so she says, oh, Tommy. So she knew me from like my family calls me Tommy. Everybody else calls me Tom because she said, oh, Tommy was like disappointed. And that next year got on three basketball teams. <laughs> <laughs> True so story. This never happened to me again. Never again in life. But again, it was like I was late to sports, so I didn't understand it. But so I think if to do it all over again, would have applied myself differently in sports to just to you know, see where it would have gone. Like, do I think it would have been an NFL, NBA? No. But do I think that easy could have played college ball for a Division One school? Likely. Um, and everything that comes along with that, I think that it's a, it's a – the athletes that I've known, just their experiences, I think, are just kind of neat. And being able to travel and, and having exposure to folks and situations, this is the beauty of education in general. Uh, the thing I loved about SLU was – it took me out of North County. Like it was getting introduced to places in St. Louis I didn't even know existed. Um, mm -hmm. that, I agree. Right. And then when I got to Rockhurst, again, that how that expanded even more, being able to um, have introductions to situations and experiences that otherwise wouldn't have come with my trajectory. So sports. Sports. Easy answer. <clears throat> All right. Two more left. Nia Long or Holly Berry? 
Me along between the two would probably opt out of both. What do you mean you would opt out of both? Yeah. You got to pick between the two. Well, I'm saying I would go with Nia Long out of those two, but I'm saying like- this, But why are you- like, eh, why, what's, eh, what's, Okay, well, you bring another entrant to the battle. If it's Ed. Eh, eh, my wife, dude, of course. Dude, get up. <laughs> no. <laughs> and you can't say nothing back because you've been recorded. <laughs> uh, no, so if I think about- Wait till so, we get off of here. <laughs> I'm sure I'm, I'm sure I probably don't have a text already, uh, but you like I had a crush on Alicia Keys, so that was okay. Okay, so Alicia Keys, Mia Long, Holly Berry, Alicia Keys, easily. Okay, okay, all right. This is the final one. If Kansas City or Dallas in a battle of no Kansas City and Memphis in a battle of barbecue, who comes out winning? Kansas City. Mm, okay. Okay. That Gates. Who, who you pulling? Oh no, I'm going KC too though. I'm actually going KC. Oh. Yeah, I'm I'm I am i am surprised if, I mean a lot of people have said Memphis. Like they've like the Memphis barbecue. What what's Memphis style barbecue though? You know, like St. Louis, we got pork steaks. Like what's mm -hmm. what's Memphis? There's just more the rib, that dry that dry rub on the rib and then the sauce on top. I believe is all there is. You mentioned Gates. Actually, mm -hmm. LC's is where I would have gone, and then in Kansas LC's. City, in, in Kansas City's got a place called LC's. It used to be a little hole in the wall. I've been there in ten years, but if it's still there, then LC's. I'm taking over Gates. All right, uh, man. Thank you for doing this, man. I appreciate you coming on, bro. Like, even though you up here breaking my heart with some of the stuff I didn't know about you, man. And I didn't know. I thought you was blacker than this. I, I'll accept that. I get that. It's it's cool. I got time. So by the time, time they yeah, talk I mean, to St. Louis. But, but this is like one of those things of like, you know, like if you found out that somebody know a tie tie, you know what I'm saying? They 40-something years old. You like, so you got to see your whole life. <laughs> <laughs> Disappointed. Just like, we ain't even boiling no more. I don't even know how. Like, no, you, you feel like, how'd you get through life not knowing a tie tie? And you went up through all these levels. Like, <laughs> It's like you missing a piece of the puzzle. How you ain't seen this? But no, nah, man. Thank you. I mean, I'm so proud of you, bro. Like, I like everything you've accomplished, everything you're doing. I appreciate you doing this, man. I appreciate you, dude. And hey, uh, I'm sharing this story because I think. Oh, it's no, good. don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> so I mentioned how I messed up my knee in high school. <laughs> and you was going to do this. <laughs> so, Daryl, a thousand times, any other time, it was back and forth. I mean, like, this dude yeah. would. We had to run battle. up on me in high school and try to shank me in my neck with a, you know, the blunt in. Like it was pencil. prison rules. People don't understand that all boys school like prison rules, baby. Prison rules on the yard. <laughs> right. And, and so it, there was never a time when there weren't insults being tossed back and forth between. A lot Darryl of them inappropriate I. for nowadays. A lot of them inappropriate. A thousand percent inappropriate. <laughs> and on Daryl's end, my all innocent. <laughs> Which is messed up because he will tag me in random stuff from back in like 06 Facebook that I said that was like totally out of bounds. <laughs> Have you ever filed anything to the contrary? Is my question. Right, cause you delete, cause you send your stuff through text or something. Neither confirm nor deny. It was never <laughs> never happened. But I messed up my knee. And so I had this brace, you know, straight leg brace, and I couldn't get around this and that. This dude who spent probably about 98% of the time of our conversations calling me some name other than my name, he comes to the, my parents' house, 
picks me up and we went out. This was hanging out with Micah and Liz. You remember we went for it was like some out of his graduation party or whatnot. Yeah. So we go, it was around it was that like, time. It was around that time. It was like Outback Steakhouse or some odd. But people don't understand that was like high level cuisine back in the day. <laughs> that was that, that was that was Hollywood at the time. Yeah. <laughs> that was big money. Yeah. And so uh, trying to find a place to sit down. And Daryl was going around looking around for finding a chair so I could prop my leg up on. I mean, it was the sweetest thing ever in life. And I can say that this is my dude since day one. And Look, I, I, mean, I, don't it, like, I, don't, I feel bad for the afflicted. You know what I'm saying? Like I feel bad for the afflicted when they go through something. And so couldn't ask for a better situation. This dude made sure he picked me up, got me to the restaurant, hanging out with some cool people, made sure my leg was protected. And so I paid him back the only way that you you can. I called him out his name for doing all that stuff because he was <laughs> soft. They told him I was going to be soft. <laughs> Don't you ever do nothing like that to me again, ever. That's what I'm saying. See, y'all don't understand. Like, you, Thomas is a big dude, so you you got to you gotta go at him. You can't just let – you just can't let him ride because he's going to try to – he already can roll over you. You might as well fight with some dignity. You did. <laughs> I'm going to have time. my dignity. I'm, oh, I'm going to get hurt, but I'm going to have my dignity. <laughs> and you keep coming back. <laughs> one day I'm going to get you. That's the whole thing. Like, one day I'm going to get you. So and then, I'm proud of you, man. We proud of you, bro. Proud of you, man. Every time, I appreciate you giving me this opportunity, man. Love you. Much respect. Keep doing your thing. Proud of what you're doing for Slu. Proud of what you're doing for your your daughter Xander and the missus. Hey, keep thriving, my man. Love you.